CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. And we're back, folks, with another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider Podcast. You know how we do it, the latest and the greatest in Michigan football recruiting and the Wolverines heading into one of the biggest recruiting weekends of the season. Say one of the biggest because the Under the Lights visitor list was outstanding. This one's slated to be really, really good, too. A big-time cast set to be in town for the matchup with Ohio State. The game, two top-five teams for all the Eastern Division marbles, does not get any better than that. Joining me to talk about Michigan football recruiting, as they do every single podcast, the best crew around, the crew over the Michigan Insider, starting with Bryce Marich. Bryce, how are you? Doing good. Hope you guys are doing well, too. Absolutely. And, of course, Mr. Steve Lorenz. Steve, how are you? Good. So it hasn't gone Michigan's way lately, but this is still the best week of the year uh, when these two teams are meeting up for with all the stakes on the line. So going to be a good week. Yeah, man, it's it's the place that they were telling recruits they were going to be in. Right. Uh, But there were some guys that needed to see the vision to believe it. They didn't just believe it because they were being told. And, And here Michigan is in position to maybe close on some guys. Uh, at least one of which I think needs to see them do well against Ohio State. But we'll get to that later. Folks, I always remind you, if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it. Be sure to review it. Of course, be sure to tell all your friends about the Michigan Recruiting Insider. They can get this podcast wherever they get their podcast: Google, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever platform they like. And be on the lookout for a great opportunity to get in on the michiganinsider.com that's where it all really goes down 24/7 24 hours a day 7 days a week 365 days a year. Let's talk first about the newest addition to Michigan's recruiting class and man I I'm going to learn my lesson one of these days Bryce I sat on our I believe it was our last podcast and I said man there are a couple of guys I'm getting really close to a crystal ball on man I'm right there with a crystal ball on Jimmy Rolder and I forgot and Jimmy Rolder committed <laughs> committed to Michigan. So I, I missed that easy crystal ball right there. Bryce, but a big addition for the Maize and Blue. Yeah, I think all three of us, I know Steve, when he first got offered, even reported, like, I think Michigan leads on this one. So I think for the whole time, all three of us have had, you know, pretty good intel on Jimmy. Um, but he's a kid, Sam. We talk about going from no one to someone. That's Jimmy Rolder. I mean, from Chicago Maris. Um, and Michigan's had plenty of luck, I would say, or success in Illinois from J.J. McCarthy to A.J. Henning to Trevor Keegan. They've done a really good job recruiting in Illinois. And Jimmy Roder is just another example of it. 6'2", 225, hard-hitting linebacker that can go sideline to sideline. Funny story about him. So we talk about no one to someone. He was actually committed his junior year all the way up to now, for the most part, to play baseball at Illinois. Um, And then a couple months, I want to say, I think it was in October, he got his first offer from Ball State for football. Um, And more schools started to see his mid-season film of football for senior season. 
extremely impressed, loved everything they saw. And next thing you know, Sam, he's got over double digit offers from schools like Michigan, Ohio State, Florida, Wisconsin, Iowa, and the list just keeps going on and on. George Hilo, Mike McDonald, Jim Harbaugh, this was a team effort. All three of them and more worked on this kid. Um, I know his family really liked Michigan. He liked Michigan. They got him up on campus right away for a game. I want to say it was the Northwestern, maybe Indiana, actually Indiana game, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and he was blown away. You know, he said every, they checked all the boxes. Um, and this was a school he liked, not from what they offered um, with the defense. He really felt like he fit in the defense. He's going to be a middle linebacker for Michigan once he comes in. But he likes what they offer off the field. I mean, he's a 4.0 student, huge in academics. He wants to major in business. That was a big uh, turning point, I think, for Michigan, too. They really sold him on the Ross School of Business. And in the end, I think overall, the relationships they built, the scheme, distance from home, and all that mixed in, it was too hard for him to pass up. Um, and I think Michigan got a steal. And I think he is going to be one of the best commits in this class when it's all said and done. Yeah, man, we spent so much time talking about a, a, who are they going to get to fill out their linebacker class, right? And they had a couple of guys that they really, 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 really liked, uh, the most recent of which, Steve, was was Lander Barton, which we always, we said that was a long shot, did we not? I mean, overcoming the, the family ties there. But here, this kid really emerged right in your footprint if you watch him. I mean, he is, he is that guy. He can track play sideline to sideline really, really fast and physical. He is a see ball, get ball guy. So he is not just a, you know, a, a middle line, a two down linebacker. This is a dude that I think uh, is going to be an every down linebacker, a havoc wreaker. I think he's going to be good on the blitz. But I think where he's really underrated is with his, with his speed uh, there, Steve. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be uh, pretty good for them in coverage as well. And we've seen that be an issue for Michigan lately. Yeah, so he has the athleticism. I think Allen in his scouting report said that we haven't really seen a ton of him in coverage, but he has the athletic ability right. to be a guy in coverage, right? So, and that's where coaching comes in. Uh, yeah, getting that final linebacker this cycle was quietly like really one of the more important things I think they needed to do. That's why they were so hard after Lander Barton, um, you know, but going back even further, the Jeremy, the whole Jeremy Patton right. debacle situation, uh, you know, it's clear they wanted a third guy as sort of a true linebacker. Uh, along with Aaron Alexander, Deuce Spurlock, you know, Roller, probably the most refined of the three thus far. Uh, maybe I think maybe Spurlock with the highest ceiling, you know, but uh, it's probably a little ways to go at that one. So, uh, yeah, getting that third backer, really, really important. Roller, yeah, uh, this is a win over Ohio State. He was absolutely a take for the Buckeyes, like no doubt. Uh, sure, they're denying it, but uh, he was definitely – a guy that their uh, that their coaching staff was was hard after hosted him for in official. I know he went to campus a few weeks before he committed to Michigan. Um, but as Bryce Bryce mentioned, the business school. Anytime there's a kid legit interested in the business school, uh, it, it's kind of one of those aces up Michigan's sleeve that they can kind of have with certain recruits. So yeah, big pickup. And again, much like Mason Graham, uh, a guy who exploded onto the scene and, and really feel like if his recruitment had started six or seven months before he probably would have had 25, 30 offers for sure. Uh, and would have been pursued by, uh, some other bigger programs more heavily, but that's the Michigan's benefit here. Cause, cause really they are getting a four-star uh, level guy to finish out the cycle and, and really a guy 
to me, not much different than Lander Barton. I think this is pretty much a, a push, uh, you know, as far as uh, the level of prospect they're getting. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right. So big pickup for the maize and blue. They beat out Ohio State. But at the same time, there was a guy that came off the board that if you follow us over on the message board, a VIP message board on the MichiganInsider.com, it should not have come as a surprise to you that Josh Josephs, a guy that was high on Michigan's board, we talked about him several times during the podcast, uh, going back to the, the summer. I mean, he had been a guy, but since that Washington game, since he came up, Guys, it just felt like slowly the Michigan's lead had been eroding. First Kentucky and then Tennessee. And then uh, when posed with the question about how things are looking with him recently, came on the board and I said, look, talking to people uh, in and around the class, people in Michigan circles, he just wasn't being talked about as being part of the class anymore. Not because of lack of interest, Steve. It just seemed like... Uh, it, it just seemed like they had been resigned to the fate that he probably wasn't going to be in, in in the mix, and ultimately it worked out that way. Pretty big disappointment, I think, for Michigan. I think he was a top, tip-top type guy on the board. There's that part of me that, that can't fathom an edge player of his skill not maybe wanting to go to Michigan. Uh, I mean, they might – they're about to produce two first round draft picks mm. next year uh, in the draft and have produced many more guys recently at the edge spot, you know, proximity to home might maybe have played a factor in this one. I mean, that's always something when, when it comes down the stretch run, you know, you have a kid in Georgia, a little bit closer for family and friends and stuff to go to Knoxville than, than to Ann Arbor. So, you know, there is that part of it also. And uh, you know, which might explain why it was con- Tucky and then Tennessee, you know, I mean, as far as the proximity situation, uh, but yeah, I mean, you could look two schools of thought here. You could be disappointed that Michigan missed out on a top edge guy, or you can say, well, let's see who they go after next, because it's obvious the staff knows how to use guys at that position. And then, and then they probably will be able to find a guy that they think can be productive uh, at the college level, which would lead us into Ethan Burke, the, the recent offer, the kid out of Texas, who, his film kind of pops off the uh, pops uh, off on first watch like Joseph's did uh, the first time I watched him. So, uh, you know, could be a guy right there to fill that void. Yeah, man. And that offer was made in advance. Of, I think a couple of weeks in advance of the, of Josh Joseph's commitment to Tennessee. Uh, another sign that they could really see that one coming. And it's another sign of what we've been talking about all cycle that you're going to see guys emerge with big time senior seasons that really rise up the charts and not just also rands like dudes, right? Mason Graham is a dude. Mason Graham, what has 14 sacks now rematch with modern day coming up, probably going to be in the all American game. Good chance. He's going to play early. So this cycle you're going to find, or you can find real good guys late and, and so, Bryce, they got on Ethan Burke recently, and Ethan is going to be one of the official visitors this weekend. Yeah, so Ethan will be coming up. He's down there in Austin, Texas. Uh, Texas. He plays at Westlake High School, which is one of the powers there in the Lone Star State. I mean, so when we're talking about, you know, the numbers I'm going to give you here on his stats, his senior season, 
it's more impressive against who he's playing against because he is doing what Mason Graham's doing against his type of competition. It's up to that caliber. So I think when Michigan's doing these evaluations too, they're taking into note the competition. It's not like he's going against, like you always say, Sam, the sisters of the poor. I mean, he's going against top level D1 players on the other side of the ball. Um, And so just through 10 games alone, he's recorded 40 tackles with 10 for loss, seven sacks, nine quarterback hurries, six passes batted down, and two forced fumbles. So he's getting the job done, Sam. And he's a player, he sticks out because, one, he's six Six, foot seven, seven, 225. (laughs) So he's a big, long guy. And I think the other thing with this offer that makes it even more intriguing is – Not only did he get the offer from Michigan, he got it from Jim Harbaugh himself. Jim Harbaugh personally extended this offer and told him, said, listen, we see you as a true defensive end. We love your length. We love your ability to get off blocks. And that's exactly what we're looking for. So he's a guy that fits kind of that mode of what Michigan wants off the edge. Um, He might not be as explosive as Josh Josephs right now, but I think the frame – the tools and kind of what the potential he brings to the position makes Michigan extremely intrigued. And I mean, they're not the only school that's offered. It's been, you know, Baylor, Texas tech, Utah, that have all offered him. And the interesting thing with him is he, you know, he recently grew a few inches. So that maybe is one of the reasons he's kind of seen his stock rise. But the other thing too, is why he's been kind of unknown He's a lacrosse player. He's committed to Maryland to play lacrosse. Mm. Um, so he's originally from the East Coast, Maryland. So if people are wondering why Maryland for lacrosse, that's why. Um, but at the same time, you know, when he got that offer from Michigan, I when I asked him about it, he said, how can I not be interested in Michigan? It's Michigan. So like you said, he will be taking official visit to Michigan. He plans on signing in February, the second signing um, date. So our signing period. So we'll see, you know, if he takes his time, but he's a kid too. I wouldn't be surprised if he pulled the trigger earlier, you know, than what he's saying. Uh, but he's a guy like Mason Graham, Kevante Henry, all these guys, they've kind of found, you know, diamonds in the rough sort of say he could be that same mold. And he's a the guy they really like, and we'll see where things go from here. You know, I know we, we make comparisons to Michigan guys, right? You know, is he like Hutchinson or McGregor? Uh, but you, the guy who he put me in the mind of watching him on film is, I mean, not to, you know, lean Buckeye in a, in a week where Michigan is playing Ohio State, but a lot like Sam Hubbard. I don't know if you guys remember Sam Hubbard's yeah. recruitment, but, you know, Sam Hubbard was that, that lacrosse guy as well that you saw. He was a lean sort of 6'5", 6'6", 225-pound guy, but who who was really athletic, could really move, could really turn and run, could come off the edge. And he just felt like he had a lot of upside. Michigan recruited the heck out of him, of course. He winds up staying home to go to Ohio State, uh, now playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. But that's who, when I, when I watch, all right, who does he remind me of at that level, at the high school level, not saying that he's going to be Sam Hubbard, but that's who – that's who I see. And when you look at his recruitment, I mean, you think about it. He was, like you said, he was committed to Maryland to play lacrosse. You look at his other offers, Texas Tech fired to coach. Dave Aranda is like the, the top coaching target for a bunch of schools. There are SC rumors about him, LSU rumors about him, where he obviously was, was the D.C. So, 
I mean, is Dave Aranda even going to be there? That that makes the the home schools, uh, you know, less appealing. TCU looking for a coach. So that's not to say that he was inclined to stay home anyway. But uh, if he was, I think he would be less inclined to do so when there everything is so much in flux down there, and you have a school like Michigan, which is absolutely the biggest name school that is chasing after him right now. So I think the Wolverines have a really good shot. I'm with you of if they wow him, can they turn him? I feel that way about the West Coast visitors. Can wows turn into to W's on the recruiting trail? And so I'm going to sort of dig back into last the last podcast, dig back into that bag and and go right back and say, man, I'm feeling really good, close to crystal ball level with Zeke Berry, guys. Zeke Berry coming on this official visit to Michigan. Uh, he was his last one. He had been saving it for the Wolverines. This is a Michigan-Oregon battle, one that you could understand why Oregon folks would be confident in. Oregon has proximity. Kids said, hey, my family wouldn't have to travel far. But what I can tell you, Steve is his family uh, very very close with his brother his mom I, I do not think that they are I don't think that they're like hey we we want you close you know how a lot of the families are they don't want their babies to leave far from home I don't think that's the case here I don't think that they are pushing that he go to the closest option as a matter of fact you ask me I think family is leaning Michigan so if this visit goes well and you see a – I'm just waiting on a sign from the visit, Steve. If I get a good sign from the visit, I'm going crystal ball, Zeke Berry. Like I said to you last time, though, I just can't – I can't put in a crystal ball for a guy who hasn't seen the school yet. If he had been on a visit already, this crystal ball would have been in a while ago. But his first time is if, if they have the kind of visit experience here that guys typically do when they come to Michigan – I'm on a crystal ball in the Michigan. I was trying to think. There was one guy, he didn't even commit to Michigan. There was a kid out of California, uh, Marcus Baugh at tight end. You guys remember him? Mm-hmm. Committed to Ohio, Ohio State, sight unseen. The difference with that one is he his first visit to Columbus, I believe, was when he enrolled. Like, he didn't see it once. So, <laughs> is this right? It's like, that never happens. <laughs> uh, so, I'm with you all the way. I mean, it's as... As positive as things could be trending, you got to wait to see before he's actually there. It's not as if he doesn't have any other big time schools that are also recruiting him still. Uh, but what did it like another guy that's emerged as a, as a really important potential target for them, just because we don't know what the, what's going to happen with the Damani Jackson situation. We, we, we think we know how that could go if Michigan uh, can pull it out on Saturday. But even with that, you know, having Zeke Barry as a guy that really could fill a lot of different roles in their defensive backfield, depending on how they want to use him uh, really is, is would almost kind of become the, the glue guy in that secondary class. Uh, and I mean that in the most positive way, as far as, you know, like I said, could throw him in at nickel, could throw him in at, at corner. I mean, he's, he's a top 100 prospect for us for a reason. And as a guy, I just, we, I, you said Brandon Huffman, absolutely. Like, he can yeah, move yeah. up even further if he has a good, if he's at the Army game and has a good, good week and stuff, you know. So, really, a guy, again, Michigan's quietly been a factor here for a while. And if there's one program 
in California that I would want this kid to go to if I thought it was going to give Michigan a better shot. It's Concord De La Salle. Uh, like I said a couple times before, they've had such a good relationship with that program. Uh, their staff is very comfortable sending kids to play for Michigan. You know, even like a Devin Asiasi, didn't, you know, he had to come back, but that was no bad, not a bad move or anything like that. I mean, he really liked it. There's a lot of mutual respect there. And um, yeah, so big time target. Yeah, man. And a guy who could, like you said, so, so versatile, so athletic. I mean, it reminds me, and I said this before with his versatility, uh, a bit of R.J. Moden. He's he's like a cross between R.J. He's right in between R.J. Moden and, and Dax. He's, he's not – I mean, you're not going to find many athletes who are like Dax, <laughs> a Dax-level athlete. He's just, you know, on, on another level. But right there in between, because I, I think that Zeke is faster than R.J. Moden. R.J. is bigger. Right. You know, RJ could be a linebacker if he wanted to. Uh, but I think that the, the kind of physicality that you see from Zeke is similar. I think that, you know, I, I think that the, the range is a little bit longer uh, because I think his foot speed, I think he's a step faster. I, I think that he is a guy that, as I said last time, very adept on the blitz. Uh, the difference is another difference is, I should say, I think that they're going to make – whoever gets them, whether it's Michigan or Oregon, but certainly if it's Michigan, they're going to make an effort to put the ball in his hands too, though, because he he is a playmaker with the ball in his hands. And that is something that they, they've talked to him about, I think, as part of the appeal of Michigan. It's a matter of if they have an outstanding visit. If they do, being like, that's the guy that I am on the hook, and I'm not going to forget if that visit goes like I, like I think it will. Look out for a crystal ball from me. All right. So now that brings us to another couple of very interesting visitors, right? Deion Walker and Damani Jackson. Uh, two guys. Another, we've talked about these guys longer than any other guys that we're going to mention on this podcast, right? So let's start off with Deion Walker. Bryce, this is, I think every visit that they get Deion Walker on campus for is a big one. So he made it to campus for the Indiana game, right? Uh, and I think it was important not just for him to make it, but, you know, you, you want people in his circle. And so Michigan, I think, has, has really been making uh, an effort uh, with his coaches at Cass, uh, in particular his position coach at Cass, who had been on campus here recently. I think that's important because I think he has a really big role, really big voice in this. And then getting with the parents. Look, they have an all-staff recruiting blitz. This is now you're getting into the into the FaceTime with the families, right? You're getting in homes, right? That's that is coming up for Michigan with Deion Walker, uh, and it's going to be a pivotal one, Bryce. So anytime they can get them on campus, every time they can be in person with the with the mom and the dad and the kid, that is crucial for Michigan in this recruitment. So he, you know, he came up, we're talking about significant. He came up for one of the basketball games with a bunch of his teammates mm -hmm. there. I know, Sam, you spotted the cast tech group at the Michigan latest Michigan basketball game. Um, so that's one sign. And the second sign that I recently reported on was, you know, back in October, Sam, when we were freezing in the rain, watching him play against King. I don't know if you remember that game that yep. took forever. Yeah. But afterwards, I talked to him and I said, you know, what's your plans going forward with visits? 
And he said, with Michigan, I want to get back to Michigan. And with the Ohio State game, obviously, I want to see that. That's going to be the biggest game of the year for sure. But I'm probably going to make an unofficial visit. He said, you know, the coaches have talked to me about it's not a huge deal. You know, if you take official just because you're so close, you can always take unofficials to Michigan because the distance. Well, now he recently told me he's thinking about making that official visit. So I think that's very significant and important because I think Michigan now is saying, you know, these other schools are really making a strong push and they're making a strong impression like Georgia. He took official visit to this past weekend and they did a great job with him. I know he is a take, I'm pretty sure, for the Bulldogs. Um, And they wouldn't have had him up there, I don't think, if he was a take. You know, and you can't count out Kentucky, who's done a fabulous job with him as well, recruiting him. He will be back at Kentucky December 10th to the 12th um, for official. So with him, I think getting this official is crucial because, one, they're going to be able to roll out the red carpet. They're going to be able to wine and dine him, show him things that maybe he hasn't seen. I know he's been there so many times, but official visit is different from unofficial. He can get more one-on-one time. He can see kind of where Michigan sees him fitting in and just more of the feel of the campus um, and being around more of the players. I know he has strong relationships with guys on the current team like Raheem Anderson, Rashawn Benny, you know, and those guys have been working on him to stay home as well. So I have my crystal ball pick on Michigan. I, I don't know if I have yet because I've been bad with the crystal ball stuff like you have, Sam. I If I haven't, I would have lowered it by now. Um, I don't feel as confident, but I, at the same time, I'm not planning on switching that pick off Michigan at this moment. Michigan, I still feel, has great relationships. He has, like I said, on the team with the staff. He calls Steve Klingscale um, – one of his good uncles, he's like, I really connect with him. That's a guy I really love. Juan Bellamy, Mike Hart, all these guys. And at the same time, too, they are also selling him on, again, like Kenneth Grant. We don't have guys like Dan Walker on the current roster, you know? And so you have the ability to not only come in, but compete and play potentially early. And so I think that's really intriguing for him as well. But again, this is one that's going to go on till the early signing period, all the way up to signing day. And Michigan, there's they got to keep pushing if they want to keep them home. So we'll see what happens as well. But I wouldn't take my pick off Michigan quite yet. And I wouldn't be surprised uh, if they get him back on campus uh, again before everything goes uh, before everything goes quiet or be th- before everything goes dead. So uh, one to keep an eye on for sure. And then of course, Damani Jackson. Steve, the the biggest name, the highest rated recruit that is slated to be on campus, and uh, and so someone asked it on the message board uh, about him after we talked about him in the last podcast. After his, I think we talked about him before his decommitment. So, as everyone knows by now, he's officially decommitted from from SC. We laid out the reasons why that might happen, right? How could you be certain Dante Williams is going to be around? Are they going to get a head coach hired by the early signing period? And seems like we were on to a little something there because those were the things that he talked about when he issued his decommitment. We also mentioned that even though he talked about it's, it's, it's mainly SC and Bama, he's kind of still looking at Michigan, that Michigan was still very much in the race. Well, reasonable to to think and believe that Bama's out front, 
but he's going to be on campus this Saturday for the game. And to answer a question that we got on the message board, they said, hey, well, will mom come? Have confirmed that his mom is expected. His mom and his sister are both expected to be on campus on that visit uh, with dad, of course, with his dad, Randy. It should make for an interesting back and forth because we've heard that mom's an Ohio State fan. But that that has no bearing on this recruitment, according to, to Randy. It, it really doesn't. Ohio State's not even in the mix. Uh, and mom's opinion of Michigan was impacted greatly in a positive way the last time they were on campus under the light. So, Steve, this this to me is eerily similar to Zach Harrison. You remember that recruit? Michigan was right there at the end with Zach Harrison. And the irony, <laughs> the irony of it is, you know, he was really, really close with with Al Washington, but it sort of felt like at the time his family was feeling uh, members of the Ohio State staff more, and then, of course, Al winds up over there anyway. But that wasn't the, the reason things started trending away. He said, look, I can't go to Michigan if I'm going to lose, right? And he was very, very, very high on Michigan until the final hour. And then, Steve, they went out and they got their doors blown off in the second half. And that was, I think, the deciding factor there. And I, I really feel like for as much as one game can impact the recruitment, and I don't really subscribe to the theory in general that that's the case, but a few specific times it can be. And I really feel like Michigan's chances with Damani Jackson really ride on how well they compete in this contest. Yeah, and I think important to note, you said Damani's mom not going to be a factor. I do think mom was a factor in the Zach Harrison recruitment a little bit too uh i think she definitely wanted him to stay close to home but as you said the the way that game played out obviously didn't help michigan's chances at all got to think if there's a repeat of that it's definitely not going to help michigan's chances with damani either uh nice to be in his position and sort of have alabama in your back pocket uh you know that you can just go play for alabama and that they want you no matter what happens in this game if you're michigan you're you're you know crossing your fingers everything hoping that you know, you can impress enough, you know, because this is the kind of guy you put in with, with the other guys I already have committed. Uh, we already talked about Zeke Barry as a guy that could join you. You put that class together and Michigan's cornerback recruiting and their cornerback situation all of a sudden looks really, really good, uh, even heading into next year. So probably the most important guy they'll have up this weekend, just because, like I said, there's there's massive impact if they can pull that one off. And uh, yeah, he has that affinity. You know, I, I think we know that Alabama's ahead, but Alabama's the last place he's seen. Can imagine if Michigan was to pull off the upset on Saturday, the atmosphere, the way his, we know his dad has kind of had an affinity for Michigan. Uh, he he did as a young kid to maybe be in that atmosphere uh, after a Michigan win, I think would go a really, really long ways in maybe curbing Alabama's momentum and making this a real uh, race heading down the final stretch. Yeah, man, it's um, – look, I, I said on the last podcast, it's like, I mean, people are – man, Michigan can't beat Bama. It's impossible to beat But They've beaten Bama a couple of times. People remember the, the losses more than the wins, more than wins. Like Dax Hill, for instance, was a, was a big win over Alabama. So it's, it's possible, but, you know, under the circumstances, you know, what will it take? Well, I think it takes Michigan showing – that he can compete for championships here. I mean, that's a given at Alabama. 
you know you go to Alabama, you're going to get developed. They developed so many first-round draft picks, and uh, especially uh, first-round DBs. They, you know, you've seen in a Drake Kirkpatrick, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, you, you go down the line. They've had some guys come out of Bama at the corner, or corner and safety position really do their thing. So you know you're going to get developed, and you know you're going to be even in a down year. Think about it. This is a down year for Bama, and they're still a playoff team. So, yeah, you know that. So can, can Michigan show in this game? I mean, not, not saying that you take moral victories, not saying that just competing is enough, but you got to show that you're in that, you're, you're in that arena, that you're in that group where you can contend with those squads. There's nothing, even if Michigan won, that does not put you on Bama's level as far as track record for success. But at least then you show him that if I come there, there's a good chance that I can really, really compete at that level. But if, if you go out there and it looks like the last two times, then you know he could, he could stay at home and look for a chance to compete, right? I think that's kind of the message that I've gotten coming out of there uh, to sort of pick up where I left off the last time. If, if, if he wanted to not go with a sure thing, I know they are not a 10-win football team, USC. It's a total rebuild. But still, if you're not going to be playing for championships and you're a five-star guy like that, I mean, it's like, you know, it's a, a rebuild and falling short of, a, you know, not playing for championships, playing for second or third place every time. I mean, is there much of a gap between the two if – if you're a guy of, of his caliber, probably not. Probably not. I think that's, at least put it this way, I think that's how he's looking at it. If he's going to leave home, he's going to leave home for a place where he knows he can really, really compete at a high level and be developed. And so can, I think he's, I think Michigan has done a good job convincing them on the development side. I think they like Steve Klinkscale's uh, track record coming from Kentucky. I think uh, he's developed a good rapport being a Youngstown guy over the phone and uh, in person when they came on a visit. And now it's the on-field piece. Ten wins, great so far. Can you compete with Ohio State will be the question. So a guy who won't be on campus is Josh Connerly Jr. At least he's not slated to be. I say it that way because uh, his dad uh, and he talked about coming back for Ohio State the most recent word is that he's going to be taking an official visit to Oregon this weekend. When I talked to Brandon Huffman about it, I believe on Monday, Sunday or Monday, Brandon said that he wasn't convinced that that visit was locked in and that he thought there was still a possibility that Michigan could really convince him to, uh, to, to come to Ann Arbor. And the other piece of it is, and I made sure to ask him, I said, you know, he, the word is that, He's planning to push his decision to the late signing period. Is there any sign that Michigan is slipping? And he said, look, he still thinks Michigan is far and away to lead. And there's no one closer to Josh Connolly's recruitment than Brandon Huffman. It's important to note that. And maybe we'll get Brandon on the next podcast. But he said, I have seen no signs to suggest to me that Michigan has stopped being the team to beat. He said, Michigan is absolutely still the team to beat. That is the word out of Rainier Beach as well. From coaches to, to sources to trainers, they're all saying that Michigan is out front. Now, Oregon has a chance to change its mind. There are some other institutions they want to see, um, You know, maybe Oklahoma, who knows. I know his dad mentioned Bama at one point. But the, the word coming out of the West from the people that are most connected out there, namely Brandon Huffman, 
Bryce and Steve is that Michigan is still the team to beat for for Josh Connerly. Yeah, I know he did take a trip to USC for the UCLA game, but I mean, Sam. <laughs> I didn't even say that, but like to compare that environment, I saw a picture of like 10 minutes before kickoff to his official for the Washington game in the big house. I mean, come on. Like if I get distance, I get that's a thing, you know, and I get, you know, hometown schools are still pushing hard, but Michigan has done a great job, especially Sharon Moore in this recruitment, because if you date back, it was Ed Warner that offered him, you know, and Sharon Moore picked up the pieces of that puzzle, put it back together, and now Michigan still looks good. So like you said, I've still been hearing good things about Michigan there. I think he definitely has been impressed by what Michigan's done up front um, along the offensive line. I mean, they're one of the best rushing attacks in the country. And I think he also likes the development and the personality of Sharon Moore and what he's done with that unit. I think that's a big deal that people aren't talking about enough. And we'll see what happens. But like I said, I just can't fathom him, you know, let's say going to like a USC or maybe UCLA or even a Washington who doesn't have a coach right now. So Oregon, I definitely feel like they are the top competition but they did drop a big game to Utah as well. So it's not like they're just riding high. Um, but if Michigan could pull off a win against Ohio State, even if he's not there, that's going to speak volumes to him. And I think, again, that could potentially even seal the deal. I think it was a big deal. We talked about this before, Steve. I think that Michigan's decision to do the satellite camp out there was so huge. It was huge for Josh. Uh, Joshua, as his dad calls him. But I, I think all the people around him were so, I mean, the coaches, all the people in the circle were like, wow, they came all the way out here to see other guys, but really to see Josh. And I think that Michigan is better with the family than than Oregon. Uh, I think if you asked, if you asked Brandon, he would agree. Uh, that doesn't mean that, uh, that doesn't mean that you're going to get him. But it lends to the belief, and I know it lends to, to Brian's belief, that Michigan uh, is still the team to beat and that Oregon has some work to do in order to eat into Michigan's lead. Sounds like they're going to have that opportunity this weekend. Uh, we'll keep you posted on if that plan changes. But right now he's slated to head to Eugene. But even with that, Steve, again, the groundwork that has been laid there has Michigan in, in very good position, Sharon Moore. He's one of the best recruiters in the country, definitely ranks among Michigan's top recruiters uh, by extension. So uh, that being the case, you feel like Michigan has a good chance of holding on to that to that position. But I, I think you also understand why Michigan fans might be a little nervous about being in the pole position for a guy for so long and then being forced to hold on to it. Yeah, that last part, it kind of weirdly, as they're 10-1, and one, it feels like that's sort of been a theme a little bit this cycle of of them being ahead for guys for a longer term period of time and and not being able to finish the deal or however however it's happened uh you know there have been a few races i think they've lost that way i i i would think the fact that michigan even is in a position to maybe convince this kid not to visit oregon says as much about where the recruitment is right now as anything um you know i mean if if we come in after uh, Thanksgiving on Friday, let's say, and find out he's not visiting Oregon. 
I mean, that would be as big a statement as maybe where Michigan's at. Cause really all the other programs he's claimed high interest in throughout the, the process are either go literally going through coaching changes or they're Texas. You know, I think Texas was a pro, which again, I know we haven't heard anything about him in Texas in months, but they were originally one of the programs he was high on. That's what was like one of the harder things with him in the last couple of months was trying to figure out who really else is a legit factor that has a stable foundation, you know, so Oregon makes certain level sense there, but, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is one, yeah, you talk about Sharon Moore, uh, you know, there were questions earlier in the cycle about well, offensive line, you know, um, now he's the number one tackle in the country and uh, Michigan looks like they're in a, still in a very solid position uh, to end up with that one at this point. All right, guys. I mean, we, there's, there's going to be a load of visitors, a lot of 23s, a lot of top 23s on the list as well. There could be some surprise additions to the list. One of the guys that I was really looking at is Marion Walker. They have a playoff game four hours from from home. So uh, that's one to keep an eye out for to see if he makes it back up to Ohio State. Going to be pretty tough at this point to do that because of the playoff conflict. But I'm not ready to write it off as a it can't happen. Um, yeah, I still think it's a possibility. Time will tell on that. But hey. I cannot let this podcast end without making uh, what has become a very consistent theme for me over the last two or three podcasts, at least, right? Uh, something that I've been talking about on the board even before that, going back to when this young man committed. I said, hey, it's not over with Keon Sab. And it's not over with Keon Sab. I mentioned him in the last podcast. I think that Michigan is still in a position to have his ear. Now, what that means ultimately, you know, how much of his ear? Well, I think we'll get a good sign or signal of that soon enough. Maybe it doesn't amount to anything. But what I can say right now, guys, is that Michigan is at least in position to maybe have him thinking a little bit here down the stretch. I know I just talked to, if you listen to the Michigan Basketball Insider, uh, you know, Jet Howard said, hey, he's talking to Keon. <laughs> he said, hey, I'm going to be, I'm heading over to talk to Keon right now, you know, to try to put in a good word for Michigan. So you got Jet on campus, try to talk to him. And uh, at the same time, I know you got the, the coaching staff who had made up some, some real ground there before he committed to Clemson. And I said, then don't be surprised if they have a good season that they don't kick the tires again. Well, I think the tires have been kicked. And uh, I don't think they were told go away. Let's put it that way. That's about all I can say on that for now. But just know that I don't mention, you guys know me, right? I don't mention things like that lightly, right? Got to think there's something there, right? I mean, he wasn't he that grew up a Michigan fan. He's another one, right? And uh, I think Partridge was actually the one that got Michigan. And that's how long ago they started recruiting him. Uh, you know, I think there was a time and point there. I think we thought Michigan led in that recruitment. It was, it was a long time ago, uh, but there's all, that means there's some kind of affinity there. So quietly been a name that's just sort of been bubbling around on the surface a little bit for a while. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, folks, a lot to be on the lookout for over on the MichiganInsider.com. If you've been waiting if you've been waiting on the hook and you're like, ah, you know, uh, let me wait for 
a deal to get over on T- over on TMI, where, like I said, where it really goes down. Uh, our our new member, our new staff member, Alejandro Zuniga, going to be starting up real soon, and, uh, and we'll have the strongest staff we've ever had. Is we we are really really about to take it up a notch. You've seen us really step up our video and analysis game, uh, and we still put it down on the recruiting side of things. And as things get interesting here down the stretch with guys like Josh Carnerly and Keon Sab and Zeke Berry and Damani Jackson. The intel is going to be flowing hot and heavy and a great deal. I'm, I'm telling you, the podcast listeners, this. A great deal on the horizon over on the MichiganInsider.com. So if you've been waiting to join up, the wait should be over here very soon. You want to be in a know? You want to have the intel on all the latest and the greatest? You want to hear the word from the best crew around and continue to support TMI, this podcast, and everything we do? Then be sure to keep it locked over on the MichiganInsider.com and look for something special over the Thanksgiving holiday because it will have been worth your while and worth your wait. So be on the lookout for it. Want to see you over on the site, over on the VIP message board. And certainly we will have a full breakdown of this big-time visit weekend that's on tap. We only gave you a smidgen of the guys that are slated to be in. Like I said, a bunch of top 2023s supposed to be in. And there may even be some surprise additions to the visitor list. You can find out all about that over on the MichiganInsider.com. And thanks for listening to another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider.